Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Heart and Hand production. everyone and welcome to episode two of Gerard Evolution of a Revolution. My name is David Edgar and joining me is my co-host on the show which looks and charts Stephen Gerrard's rise from new manager, first club to undefeated champion. It's Stevie Clifford. Hello Stevie, how are you doing my friend? Hi David, nice to be back and really looking forward to getting stuck into this part of the, the series. Yep, uh, part one, um, which dropped last week, if you want to go and search for that, we looked at why Rangers were in the position that Stephen Gerrard became the leading candidate for the role, and we looked at the summer that he arrived. Now, we won't go into too much depth on the transfers. For those of you who wanted to know literally every transfer in and out that summer uh, on the Heart and Hand Network, you will find a show called Through the Windows, which covers that. But, Stevie, it was a, a massive summer of change, but... I think it's important to remember the sense of excitement and it had been a while since we'd experienced that. I would argue that even, you know, Warburton in the championship, which was you know quite exciting considering where we'd been, even Pedro spending money the year before. I don't think there was quite the same sense of this could be something special that we all experienced that summer. As we mentioned last week, the legendary opening press conference, let's go, etc. There was, to use a, a stock Scottish football phrase, a buzz about the place. Yeah, there was a, a real excitement on social media, amongst the fans, um, in workplaces, etc. when we were all talking about it. It was a Stephen Gerrard factor, David. We were all immediately swept away by that, that press conference. We were all excited. And there was also a bit of... There was a bit of trust in that it's Steven Gerrard, so the, the quality is going to immediately be a step up. And even just the names and then the eventual signings we did make were indeed that. And it was just it was just an exciting time 
it was and, and the feel good factor was really bad. You could you could feel it even even when you know we looked at we were just coming off the back of you know a pretty miserable season and a pretty miserable end mm. of the season, but that was immediately forgotten. It was the Steven Gerrard era, and we were all in. Every single supporter back to every single supporter believed in it, and it was exciting. And every time we we kind of logged on to social media, there was a different rumor, and it was all high profile guys. It was all high profile stuff. So it was definitely exciting. Um, and I know obviously the the show through the windows is fantastic, and I would thoroughly recommend everybody goes to to listen to it. Not only just on the Gerard era, but going way back into Advocate and, and everything else. It's a great show. But the signings we did make that summer and the money we did spend as well as everybody went out with a turnover of almost 40 players. So <laughs> it showed you it showed you just how big a job that, that we had to do. I think that was something that, because we'll have difficult spells even in this show, but whenever people, um, as football fans tend to do, get a bit you know, panicky and say we should change managers, because it's, it's a tempting thing, isn't it? I mean, we need something big, something that will be a silver bullet, you know, one big swing for the fences, a manager will come in and, and wave a magic wand and sort everything. Uh, you cannot do that. I don't care if we hire Pep Guardiola that summer. You cannot do that with a turnover of 40 players shopping in the market that we are shopping in. It would have been lovely had we managed it. But I think in terms of where we had been, you mentioned there that previous season, our first aim wasn't let's get a title win inside. Our first aim was let's not be a joke let's get stability uh we had a long long way to go yeah i think that's very fair i think every one of us you know had we all had short-term gains and i think the the management maybe maybe had that as well you know obviously as we'll go into more but it when we first started the first job for steven gerrard was sort the defense that was that was immediate and it seems such a, a, a small silly thing but it was so crucial to where we we needed to go in terms of we had came off the back of a, a season that was so disastrous where you're conceding four, five, five in the last eight Easter Road. So that was your, your first point. Sort that. Maybe then qualify for the Europa League. Try and bed in in the league and things like that. So it was all small, short-term aims we had. and And if we look back on it now, Although we didn't get the ultimate success, everything built towards where we are and where we, you know, where we ultimately are now. And even in the smaller part, that the signings that summer, David, are integral to this season's championship. Yeah, there were some some long term successes. If you like, Conor Goldson would obviously arrive that summer. So would I mean Alan McGregor and, and Scott Arfield arrived uh, in the preseason, but Conor Goldson arrived that summer. Ryan Kent would arrive, it albeit initially on loan, and of course later in that season, Jermaine Defoe and, and Stephen Davis would come into the side. So there were plenty of, of building blocks. Bonner Barisic is another one who uh, I missed out, and uh, Glenn Kamara. Of course, arriving uh, in the in the January, so there was, as you say, uh, a fair bit of excitement. And the first real test for the management, and the first we really got to have a look at them was Europe. And Rangers began our qualifying for the Europa League. Hand on heart, I remember thinking, you know, FK Skupi were the first side that we were coming up against. Yeah, you'd expect to beat them. Osisek in the next round, a Croat side. You could see that going either way. You know, Croat football is a very, very good standard. Um, when we got to the third round against Maribor, who'd been in the Champions League the, the season before, and people forget the Champions League proper, at that point I thought, 
it'd be great if we could beat them. But if not, then this is a pretty respectable showing for a brand new side, brand new manager. And when that run kept going and then we went to Ufa, I think that was the first sign for me of something being different. There was a fluidity to the side. We're going to talk about tactics in a minute when we come to one of the league games. But you could see initially, I think, a plan. And I think that was was key because hand on heart, I couldn't tell you after six months of watching it what Pedro Cachinha's style was. I couldn't identify it. I couldn't distill it for you. With Gerard, it was obvious. It was 4-3-3, fullbacks pushed on high, um, midfielder sitting. Very reminiscent of Liverpool, uh, if we're being honest. And it was quite clear he was heavily influenced by Jurgen Klopp, I would say. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the key things you mentioned is definitely true. With the European run, I was very the same as you in terms of, well, if we get through this one, that's really positive and it's a wee bit extra cash for the club. Yeah. Or if we get through this one, you know, and then, well, we've made it to the last step. But when I started to really be impressed was when they went to Osijek really early on away, as you said, a Croatian side, a difficult tie on paper. They're of good pedigree. We're just starting and we win 1-0. And... It was such a, a well-drilled, well-organised performance that I certainly sat up and thought, right, this is great. This is so early. And we, we've came to a really difficult place, got a, a really solid clean sheet, defensively really good. And this is all positive things. The next round, Maribor away as well, um, after the result of Ibrox to go there, and draw nil now. I think Alan McGregor saved a, a very late penalty kick as well. He did, yeah. Um, he had he had an incredible night that night. It was yeah, just he, he was just not being beaten at all. But the thing about that was there was a, a very early spirit amongst the team of, of we are not getting beat, we're not giving this up, we're keeping to our shape, we're we're following instruction. And even though, David, it was small things that you come to take for granted now. Back then, it was everything that we needed to keep a hold of. And it was so positive, early signs. And that allowed everyone, I think, to just believe in it. Not that they weren't believing in it, but believe in it even more. It galvanised everybody and, and just kept us going in terms of spirit. And and it also enforced the fact that this is a management team that knew what they were doing, even that early. I think you need something early on to to get excited about. Um, and, you know, we're excited by his name, but you, you need something else then. You need to know that, okay, they know what they're doing. And as you say, there was an organisation that we hadn't seen. And it's easy now, I think, to sit here three years later where uh, this Rangers team has covered over or salved a lot of wounds that I still carried, and I know a lot of supporters still carried from the 90s, really, about Europe. The, I think Rangers have underperformed in Europe in my lifetime, barring a couple of miraculous years, in all honesty. Um, and they shouldn't be miraculous. They, they, you know, we Certainly through the 90s, when we did have a lot of money, we should have been doing better. But the fact that we did you know, begin to get through it, now where we are, where we've qualified for the Europa League each season, and we've done well, and we've got out the Europa League group stage twice, you know, and into the last 16 twice... I think that now it's easy to sit here and, and almost imagine that oh we we all felt like that from the start. But certainly in that first summer, we had carried so many, 
European disappointment that the run was was absolutely fantastic. Now, domestically, we started off at Pitodre. And that <laughs> playing Aberdeen is going to be one of two major domestic themes this season, Stevie. Um, we oh, start off yes. <laughs> by going to Pitodre, um, and Alfredo Morelos gets sent off early. He gets sent off after, I think, 13 minutes or so. Um, it was later quashed on appeal, another thing that would become quite routine this season. Um, Rangers getting red cards and Rangers getting red cards quashed. But uh, it left us up against it. However, a very well-disciplined organised team. The team switched to a 4-3-2, didn't go ultra-defensive. Um, won a penalty, which James Tavernier scored, and looked relatively comfortable up until conceding a last-minute goal. And it was a strange one because you go down to 10 men at Petodre after 10 minutes, you know, you're thinking, oh, wow. But then to have led the whole way and lose it, it felt like a defeat, even though it wasn't. But once you'd sort of calmed down from the emotion of it, I think you could look and say there are a lot of positives in this. Yeah, definitely. The opening spell of the league wasn't the best result-wise, but we could all see definitely positives and things to encourage us. That day at Pataudry was a really difficult one to take because we had bossed it in terms of it was the possession and the ball movement and the bravery in the past that really stood out for me on that day. It was really impressive. And I would say, David, as well, that day, we were extremely unlucky because when Josh Windass gets pulled down, he's about to tap that into an empty net. Considering Morelos had went 10 minutes earlier for an innocuous swipe, he's got to go as well and didn't. So that was that was a theme for that season as well. And I'm not going to... I don't want to bring referees into it too much but referee that day, Kevin Clancy, you know, has a habit of not getting decisions right against Rangers. Mm. And he certainly didn't get that one right. So we were very unlucky on that day. The goal was unlucky in its sense. Connor Golson goes to block and it somehow goes through him and it sneaks in the very corner against an outstretched Alan McGregor. It's just a perfectly placed shot, which, to be honest, Bruce Anderson maybe does one out of 15 times. So it's not... We're not without luck in that game, definitely. But as you said, although it was it was draining, I think all emotionally everybody was drained because if we had won and got off to such a good start there, everybody would have been buzzing. But that came in a run, David, of, of red cards for Rangers because that was right around the time of, of Ufa and also St Mirren the following week as well. So we, we started off, you know, very much on the wrong side of the officials. Yeah, we did. Uh, and interestingly, this is something that I think we'll touch upon throughout the, the season's episodes because this is very much part of his development. After the match, Stephen Gerrard was, was interviewed and you could tell he was still very much caught up in the emotion of the game. You know, last minute equaliser, disappointment, etc. A red card that he felt was a little unfair. Uh, and he said rather famously that I'd been told about referees up here and that they don't give decisions to, to Rangers. I don't think now he would say something like that, although I think it's true. But I I think we were witnessing what would be a gradual transition from a captain, a football player, to a football manager. And the realisation that what he said gets pulled over more um, can affect you going forward, all of those kind of things. And I, I do think in terms of his interviews, we have seen this development, Stephen, from... As I say, a guy who was a captain 
and we do obviously do a lot of press match uh, post match interviews, but I think sometimes he spoke with the disappointment or the elation of a player. And I think over the years, as he's growing into the role, he's tempered that. And now we we hear from Steven Gerrard, the manager, as opposed to maybe Steven Gerrard from a dressing room, Steven Gerrard, the captain. Yeah, I think that's definitely fair. That would be the same interview he kind of famously said that we'd outplayed them and we're the better side and we didn't didn't deserve a last-minute equaliser kind of thing. He was very bullish, wasn't he, if I remember correctly? Bullish, yeah, yeah. Ah, you wouldn't get that now. You definitely wouldn't get that now. I think he's he's more, he, he's definitely more calmer and he's more, um, like he keeps his emotions in check. Whereas early doors for Rangers, you could definitely see. I think that that comparison you make to his days of being captain is is perfectly fair. But it's it's also an obvious one, and it's you know he very much Stephen Gerrard. The one thing we do get out of him is that he is very honest with the press. And you know, as well as I do, that if he doesn't like a question, then you're going to find out about it. Mm. And he's he's very heart on sleeve and, and very truthful in, in his discussion. So yeah, definitely that day was a was an, an early indication and a good pointer for us to kind of look back on and how he's grown, definitely. But I do think, again, <laughs> it means nothing and... He, he was right, you know, in, in terms was of right, decisions yeah. and, and, and the ones we didn't get that day. But all in all, if you'd looked at qualifying for the Europa and and the, and the start and getting a point after an early kind of European, uh, early, sorry, sending off after European games, etc., I think we had every right to be positive in where we were. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, but yeah, we won at home and then, you know, things are looking pretty good. But then it's Rangers and you're only as good as your last game, etc. I want to pick this game out because in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't mean a lot, right? We went to we went to Motherwell and a crazy game ends three each. But the the thing about this particular match that's marked down for me is we went with a back three or a back five, whatever you want to play. But John Flanagan actually is one of the, the three centre backs. And We've never done that since. Not once have Rangers done that since. We have our system, but it has tweaked over Stephen Gerrard's time. And we'll talk about this, I think, a lot more when we get to the, the title-winning season. The, it was a 4-3-3 with your traditional wide players. It's become a, a hybrid, I think, of a 4-3-3, two number 10s. We've tweaked the system repeatedly ever since. Midfielders sometimes playing a bit further forward, sometimes a bit deeper, sometimes two holders, sometimes one holder, uh, sometimes a, a much more attacking even than that. We have continually tweaked, but we've tweaked, I think, from a set structure. This was really the one time, I think, and I find that fascinating because clearly it was something in his mind to try, understandably, but he certainly saw enough that day to never repeat it. Uh, I find that incredibly interesting. Yeah, it is interesting, and it's it's a fascinating point that he actually hasn't ever went back to it. I remember it because Motherwell scored really early, and I'm pretty sure that Goldson was caught out of position and then slipped. So the boy was left basically running straight in. Well, and there was the a... We were hopelessly open in 20 minutes. There's no getting away from it. 
We did yes, show we... a lot of spirit to dig back in and get 3 2 at half time, but the first 20 minutes we were ropey as all hell. Yeah, we were all over the place defensively. I don't think they knew where they were in the shape. And and even if, you know, that's a, a good thing to kind of say as well. That Mick Beals often said that we've worked three years on this shape and, and on this. So they've obviously taken that game for what it was. They've tried it and they've thought, right, no, we have to just stick to, to tried and tested, especially when you're bedding in a lot of new players as well, because we, we were effectively bedding in. We had Goldson... Katic, Joe Worrell and we had the other centre half the boy from Northern Ireland whose name escapes Gareth, me. Gareth McCall. Gareth McCall. I always get him mixed up with George McCartney I don't know why I do it, the old Sunderland boy but Yeah, they, they, they both played Northern Ireland same era. Yeah, I, I just always get them confused but we obviously had them with four centre halves which they did ro- you know, Stephen Gerrard in that early times was rotating quite a bit as well it was... Um, you know, it was between basically Warrell and Katic. So it's a good point in terms of that day. I remember being sitting at 3-2 at half time and being pretty pleased with how we'd come back, especially after the opening. But we did what was to become a theme as well, David. We, we didn't take our chances in the second half and then get caught really late on. Interestingly, on that late goal, Rangers made a substitution. Last-minute corner, Rangers Lee made Wallace. a substitution. Lee Wallace, absolutely, uh, yep. came on. And the manage, you know, we concede a goal because people are out of position. And it is a truism in football. It is a, a cliche, but cliches often have a kernel of truth about them. That's why they they, they get into the, the people's minds. And one of the things I think that anyone who's played amateur football or school football or whatever is, is told is you don't make a change at set piece ever. You do it after. Well, you can do it if you're attacking, but when you're defending a set piece, you don't make a change. And it, there was literally seconds to go. So the idea clearly is I'll put on another defender. Not a defender really known for his aerial ability, I have to say, but but on he comes. And there was a lot of criticism of that. And people said, well, he's a new manager, he's learning. But then the other side to that is, Stevie, he's a new manager, but he's been about football for years. And it's not an unknown thing in football. It was a kind of strange decision. And I, I do think that at that point, we were seeing a guy who was experimenting with a lot of things because he's suddenly in control of this this jet for the first time and there's all these levers to pull. And I, I wonder if there was an element of that involved in it. Yeah, I think that's a good point, definitely. I also, looking back on it now, it's also really good for me that he's, he's learned that really quickly because one thing that Stephen D- Gerrard doesn't do, and he certainly doesn't do it often, is make the same mistake twice. So managerial-wise, we know that he's then he's he's messed about with the formation slightly, never done it again. He's made that last-minute kind of substitution before a set-piece. And there'll be people out there, David, that'll be able to better knowledge than, than me, certainly, that'll be able to tell me. But I don't recall another situation where he's done that and yeah, it's cost us again. No, so, I, 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 just, I don't remember him doing it because it's something that would be commented on because yep. the yep. sticks in, in, in the memory. And that meant Rangers were already, unfortunately, a bit behind um, a bit behind Celtic. And again, it's the unrealistic expectations of the support. You know, we're Rangers and we always want to. And it's hard to win an argument with people about that because they will play that card and say, well, we're Rangers. And, well, yes, it's true, but that that's not enough. You can't, you know, if, if you've got a bad situation, you can't just walk in and say, we're Rangers and that'll fix it. It takes time and it takes effort. But we went to Ufa, we're reduced to nine men, heroic backs to the wall performance. 
to get out of there with qualification. It was massive. The players didn't arrive back until about three in the morning from Russia, three on the Friday morning. And of course, we're playing at Parkhead on the Sunday at 12. Rangers went for a containment strategy, ended up losing the game 1-0. Controversial goal, Ryan Jack, suggestion of a foul in the build-up to it. But I know that since then, both... Gerard and Michael Beale, uh, when asked about it, have said the reason that they went and did containment that day is the players were out on their feet. They were absolutely buggered. They, they had no option. Yeah, when you consider the, that we were down to nine men in 65 minutes in Ufa and, and had the best majority of, of 30 minutes worth the added time for nine men to qualify for Europe, I think they did remarkably well. And always remember that game in Ufa, we were basically set up, camped around their own box, really well organised, and they just conceded the wings and they conceded possession. And they were fantastic that night. It really was incredible. I always remember, I don't know if Andy Halliday mentioned this, I can't remember if it was on your podcast or on mine, but he talks about Stephen Gerrard at half-time out in Russia in terms of don't do anything stupid, don't um, get involved in anything, we're down to 10 men, we have to just, you know, we have to be tight and organised and uh, John Flanagan goes and elbows somebody right in the face and gets his second yellow and off <laughs> as well. So that was, that was as I said before, that was at a time where Morelos has went off in the first game. We had two off that night. Then Ross McCrory gets sent off as well at home to St Mirren. So we already had four red cards within a couple of weeks during his, his early spell. So that was to become a theme throughout the season as well, something that he kind of touched on at the end of it. But definitely... In terms of that game at um, at Parkhead, like you, I remember as, as being very containing and we, we didn't offer as much, but in the grand scheme of things, Europe, although people won't like this being said, Europe was far more important at that point for us financially and in, in terms of, of stature of, of getting back to, to where we needed to be, not only in the league, but across everything. So I'm not saying we sacrificed that game, but we certainly sacrificed our attacking attempt intent as you said and even though we were beaten it wasn't like the the steamroller there's out the way they, they caught us on the break after one of our guys were, were fouled and that's really it so we were unlucky and in, in in terms of we were caught by that goal but again it's another it's another learning learning curve early on for Stephen Gerrard and I, I would describe the, the autumn and early winter of, of 2018 as two steps forward, one step back for uh, a lot of that period. There were some great performances. We beat Dundee 4-0 at Ibrox, St. Johnson 5-1, Hearts 3-1, Ibrox. It was a poor performance and it was late goals, but we beat Hamilton 4-1 away. St. Mirren 2-0 and a, a, a corking 7-1 victory over Motherwell. But in that spell uh, came to... to Big disappointments, and unfortunately, one of them was a harbinger of things to come. We lost to Livingston 1 0, and we were lucky to get the nil. We were awful that day. Livingston had five or six glorious opportunities. I don't really recall us making anything that day. Livingston, we know how they play it's high balls, it's elbows, it's right on you the whole game. It's a dreadful, dreadful football pitch. And Rangers just looked shell shocked. We looked as though we had no answer that day. Yeah, I think that was the first early insight into the problems that would become kind of apparent in terms of the rebuilding job and, and the stature of it. 
that if he stopped Alfredo or he wasn't in the mood, then nothing else was really happening. But you've got to... It's easier to say it now, David, because we've got to, to counter of, of how big a rebuild that was at the time. And we when we were, if you like, planning and, and swashbuckling, passing and fast attacking movement and everything else, we were really good, as the previous results in Johnston, Dundee, etc., as you said. Even blown away Harps, I think we were 3-0 up against Harps within the first kind of half an hour. So when we were good, we were good. But the other side of it was that we hadn't, had enough time to rectify what happens when you get a really organised discipline, everybody behind the ball hitting you on the counter, like Livingston will do. And they just out-muscled us, they out-fought us, and they were really organised. And, and that was it, basically. Rangers just had no answer. And as you said, it was a, a kind of a preemptive of what was to come in terms of what happened next. But that was a really difficult one to take. It was an early kick-off as well, and it was just mm. overall not a good day for, for us. Like you, I don't remember us creating very much, but I remember there being a real a real disappointment that day in terms of we've came so far, but there's still so much more to do. And not a criticism of the management that early, but just a realisation of, of how big a job ahead of us. I think that... The level of disappointment that we experienced after a bad result because we were so desperate for silver, we were so desperate for success, and when Gerard arrived, it wasn't that we didn't believe that this guy could take us to the promised land. It was just, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And I think that we, you know, any of these results were disappointing. But that would be a theme that would continue even into this season, Stevie, that when we, Livingston again, we played LA in the 55 season and we drew 0-0 and the reaction was savage from the supporters. And I don't think any manager, it was nothing to do with the manager. I think it was just the Rangers support at that point were just sick and tired. Yeah, Hoggy said to me once, it was a, it's our battle scars. Um, And I think that's, I think that's very, very true and very evident in, in how we reacted. And even this season, you know, Livingston, I'm guilty a wee bit in that because I think I went a wee bit ranty in the blog the next day and kind of said, that if the team don't learn their lessons from previous experiences, we're never going to get anywhere. That, you know, that's maybe... maybe that's half. us. No, yeah. because we, we all felt it to a degree. Some, uh-huh. you know, some people... As you say, you know, we, some people went nuts, some people didn't. But we all went, I've seen this before. And it that's entirely the past. That's entirely the scars. And we're actually just going to talk, I think, about one of the reasons with this side, with this iteration of Rangers, with Gerard, that this happened. And that's, we, we drew with Kilmarnock. We then really disappointingly lost to Aberdeen in the semi-final of the Cup. And again, the manager, um, when asked about this, he, he brought in... He brought in and loaned him our Sadiq and then just quite clearly didn't fancy him. And that happens sometimes. But Alfredo Morelos plays against there, picks up another booking, gets suspended, um, which was just so disappointing. Um, we we didn't have a striker, Kyle Lafferty. He was cup-tied and it was who's going to play there. And eventually, on the day, we find that Sadiq plays. Rangers are, again, just cannot break this Aberdeen side down. In the December... They come to Ibrox, feisty game, more red cards, Morelos and Cosgrove sent off. Aberdeen beat us 1-0, does in the counter. And there are several important points, I think, in here. And firstly, is 
that the discipline has improved dramatically throughout Stephen Gerrard's time to the point where you trust them now. If we pick up a red card, I think it will be for you know two yellows occasionally. I don't think it will be for silly things. Alfredo has definitely got better and better in terms of his discipline this season. Um, in particular, he's been better, although you know there's been a couple of suspensions. But overall, um, it hasn't it hasn't hurt us the way it did. It did seem to be every bloody game at that period. But we clearly, and that's why Livingston in in 2021 was such a trigger. I think is the word for it for us. The if a team came, worked very very hard, had two banks of four or maybe a bank of four or bank of five, Rangers would struggle. We did not have the creativity to unlock these defences. We were reliant, generally speaking, on a set piece or Alfredo doing something special. Occasionally Ryan Kent. In Europe, when we had a bit of space to play against better teams, we were excellent. But when a team came and just locked down the pitch, and don't get me wrong, it would get football stopped, but it was successful. And that season, the two names that I mentioned, Aberdeen and Kilmarnock, we end up playing both of them seven times each. Uh, but they end up, you know, I think we were all just bloody sick of them. But also because they kept getting success against them. One of the reasons we played them seven times was cup replays. And once people realise that a Rangers side of any era have a weakness, they all jump on it. And that's what happened. And suddenly... Anyone not called Celtic that we were playing against, it was two banks of four, one guy left up front to chase long balls and try to do us in the break. And the problem was, it was reasonably often successful. Yeah, I mean, that Aberdeen command of the of the 14 games, we had five wins, which, which is crazy when you look back and you think about it. In terms of, of discussions about red cards and our discipline, you know, in terms of the improvement, we had 12 red cards that year, David, five for Alfredo That's alone. far too much. I mean, even taking a seat, Alfredo, it's just far too much. No, and if you think about it, some of the ones that we were getting reds for, we, we appealed and we would get them back. There was the others, the likes of Scott Arfield would get sent off at Hearts that day for sliding in on the goalie. Remember, some of it was was was, was quite ridiculous. There was a Candace one at St Mirren where he got yellow carded at the end um, again from Willie Collum, which I, I don't even know if you remember this. It was it was the oh, guy, yeah, yeah. the, the submitted boy, got him, got him in the headlock. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. And kind of pushed him away, and he kind of said something, and off he went for that. It just seemed to be we were getting the of all the rough decisions, we seemed to be getting all of them. Um, Alfredo against Aberdeen in particular, McKenna never really seemed to be able to curb his his dislike and, and that didn't help us at all but you're right you know you look at the games where we drop points Aberdeen, um, Livingston, Dundee, Kilmarnock games like this it was exactly what you were saying but in terms of where we were and it's easy now because we wouldn't be saying it at the time I know we wouldn't but in terms of where we were and it, and it kind of harping on about something I said before if you think about that the the scale of the job that he had to do when he came in it wasn't ever going to be one window. This was going to be one where we needed to get, um, we needed to get through the season doing as well as we could. Then we would recruit and get the likes of Jory Bo. Then Yanis Hadji comes later on, and then that inevitably helps Alfredo. It inevitably helps 
you know, Ryan Kent. But it wasn't until last summer that we we finally got the the attacking, you know, kind of options that we needed two years on. So I don't think that at that time the management would have been sitting there going, you know, it's okay, it it will come, it's it's not a problem. I think very much, and the message that everybody was trying to say at that time was, this is going to take time. It's going to be several windows. It's going to be a, a work in progress. But even with all that, David, you know, in, in terms of we had dropped and drawn quite a few games, and even on, um, we drew against Hibs twice on the 19th and the 26th of December, and their games were very, very similar in terms of not taking our opportunities and not being able to break teams down. Despite that, we still went into the old firm at New Year, and that was such a massive game to draw, to, to win that game and effectively be in pole position or believe that we were in pole position at that point. And considering that the games we had dropped and then the kind of, you know, the run we had went on, it was still a, a fairly phenomenal position to be in for his first six months. Yeah, I mean, I think that in that December, there were a lot of drop points, a lot of draws. And to me, the team looked shattered. And understandably, you know, we did the eight matches and qualifying, then we did the six in the group stage and acquitted ourselves, I thought, quite well throughout that. But the the squad was small and the team looked tired throughout December. But going into this game now, the next two matches, I think, are probably the definitive matches of the season for me. And, And if you wanted to... Uh, spell out what this season was in terms of highs and lows and good signs for the future but also reminders of where we were at that point. These two games I think are perfect and they're three weeks apart because of the winter break. The first one Celtic at Ibrox we welcome Celtic to Ibrox and there was a bit of concern because we had looked flat, we dropped points to Hibs previously as you mentioned there and there had been too many draws but Celtic hadn't been quite as machine-like as they'd been previously as well and and a victory would take his level on points although they would have a game game in hand although we had a bit of goal difference so Celtic arrived that day and Ibrox is buzzing I mean absolutely riotous the noise that day, there was a new ticketing arrangements and people said there'd be no atmosphere, well just go back and watch this, Uh, 40 48,000 Rangers supporters that day going absolutely tonto from minute one and it did affect Celtic, it absolutely did, if you watch that performance back, the amount of times Brown and Boyata and several other players who build from the back just kicked the ball straight out of play, they were panicked, they didn't quite get the atmosphere, but psychologically for us to get over the line, Ryan Jack scores that goal, this to me is the day that Ryan Kent really arrives as being the Ryan Kent that we know and love, he he actually literally broke Mikel Lustig. Lustig had to go off after doing his hamstring, trying to catch um, Ryan Kent, who was just leading him a merry dance. Now, again, we you know Celtic have a chance late on through in Cham. It could have been a draw, and that would certainly have been deflating. But this was our first victory against them in 16 league matches. Enormous. Our first of any kind since the cup win. And even then, that was penalties. To do that, to get that victory to get a clean sheet and to get the win felt enormous that day because it was such a significant staging post and the commitment and the energy, you know, Andy Halliday was outstanding that day. Scotty Arfield standing up and competing against the drop ball. And I I think looking back, that was a crucial point because up to that stage, 
they'd bullied us. And what Arfield did in that moment and then taking the piss out of Brown afterwards was saying, we are not scared of you. And that is something Gerard does deserve credit for because as soon as he arrived at Rangers, there, yeah, there were defeats along the way, we know that. There might be in the future as well. It's such as the nature of old firm football. But right from minute one, he did sweep away that inferiority complex. And we did have an inferiority complex um, for fans that manifest itself in fear of gubbings. But I think it did for the players before, because we only need to look at those two games just six months before this, when Celtic are you know, fiddling with us. You know, they're just knocking us all over the shop. They're having shots at their leisure. They're laughing. They're having a great old time of it. He removed that. He just went in and thought, that that doesn't happen on my watch. And yeah, there were problems, what you might call technical problems against other sides, but in an open 11 v 11 match against a team who, who are a good side and Celtic were a good side, there's no inferiority. We can beat them and we're going to beat them. And that day, to me, felt absolutely pivotal. Yeah, it was a huge moment. As you said, there was no, there was no respect given. And that's that's the biggest thing. Like 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 you mentioned, Andy Halliday had a really early fifty fifty, which he won, and that set the tone for the day. Um, Scotty Arfield stood up to to Scott Brown, as as we know, and that was a a really good point you make about Scott Brown and and uh, Boyata at the back just playing the ball out. I remember watching that and, and being at the game and the amount of times Brown actually just put it straight out of the park was it was unreal. You know, the standing joke that the substitutes weren't playing Scott <laughs> was, was was certainly going on that day. But we we had chances that day for it to be more. Uh, we hit the post. Ryan Jack had a, a great drive in the second half, which was a good save. There was good saves from Goldson um, and Candace as well earlier on. So we, we went about it, you know, hell for leather the first 65, 70 minutes. Celtic had the later possession, but in terms of creating opportunities or or, or really going for us, that never really happened. There was one, there was that late uh, chance for Cham, as you said, which Andy Halliday blocks and it, and it goes out. But that was that was always going to be our day. The great thing about, and, and my lasting memory of that is, is full-time, David, in terms of the relief and Ibrooks still being packed, Ibrooks still bouncing, Ibrooks still singing, the relief and the atmosphere, and not only that, but the belief that we were on the right track again. There was a real overall euphoria that day. Not that we were going to win the league or we were going to do this and that, but just a euphoria that we were back, and that was the first stage in post. It was a massive moment in terms of the recovery in, in Gerard's time. We had to beat them. We had to make it known that, that we could beat them, and we had to you know, sign off his first six months with a real high and a real positive and, and being there and thereabouts of them, which which obviously we did. But it's worth pointing out as well, David, in that first six months, as much as we, we did drop points over sort of nine games, there was something that you, you made a, good, a great point there is really true. Nobody ever battered us, even in the, the European games, Villarreal, Spartak, Moscow. But Spartak, Moscow were the only team to score more than two goals against us. There was never a thrashing. There was never any team that, that really made a fool of us. Livingston was probably our lowest ebb in terms of performance-wise, but every we've been competitive. And Stephen Gerrard had managed in a relatively short space of time to turn around a team that were absolutely dire in need of massive surgery into a team that at least competed and were able to 
to tell you know Celtic and and the rest of the teams that yeah we we're we're not there or thereabouts, but we are on on the way. And then we have a winter break. Things go well. Two exciting signings arrive: Stephen Davis and Jermaine Defoe, both players who you think. Wow, I mean, particularly Defoe, um, even, you know, the easy was, the quality that they will bring. And maybe slight issues with, well, can we get him and Alfie in the team? As we've mentioned earlier, we hadn't seen uh, a formation change, but we had the option now. And we go to Kilmarnock, uh, them again, and we take on Kilmarnock at Rugby Park. We go a goal up and it's new signing Jermaine Defoe and I was in the away end that night and my God, the place went tonto. We hit the post not long after Alfredo Morelos with a header, which would certainly have changed the, the outcome of the game. And then if you want a moment in time to represent the downside of this season, somehow Joe Worrell with an absolutely horrendous cock up lets in Greg Stewart of all people to score, I might be naming Brophy, but uh, I'm trying to erase most of this from my mind, but not fail, not succeeding. And it's 1-1, and I remember that sucked the air right out of the away end. Then the second half, Jordan Jones, who is coming to Rangers, but it had to be, didn't it? Uh, scores a second, and the flatness and the desolation and the realisation, I think, it is all of we probably can't win this league because we can't we can't see us putting together a seven, eight, nine win it game winning run. We just don't have that consistency about us. And th- that was a game that both Defoe and Davis started and Davis ended up coming off I think round about sixty minutes. He didn't have the, the legs. No Connor Goldson that night either because it was Macaulay and Worrell at the back, and as you said, Worrell had that horrendous mistake. It was Brophy that actually ended up coming in and, and scoring. But I remember the same as you. I was working that night, so managed to, to see all of it before work. And as soon as Jordan Jones scored, which is, I always was annoyed, David, by his over-celebration that day with Steve Clark, and I always thought that was not the right way to, to behave in terms of somebody that had just signed for us, more or less. But granted, he's a Kamarnik player and everything else. For maybe maybe un- unrational, but I didn't like his celebration. And we were done as soon as they scored. That was it. There was we didn't create anything. We didn't manage to to muster anything. And I think that was key to where we were as a as a team at that moment. In terms of when a setback came, we weren't able to to overcome it. Like that maybe that moment was maybe our motherwell moment for this season in terms of of going behind. And being able to to come back. If we had came back in that game, I'm sure that we would have really kicked on. But no, that was a that was a desperately difficult one to take after because there'd been so much euphoria online, social media, so much celebration. We were going to do this, we were going to do that, and everybody was so buzzing and, and up for it. And that was a really, really difficult one to take. One thing about this side, right from the office, that they were good at recovering from setbacks. The problem was there were too many setbacks um, for us to be successful. But they did pick up, I mean, immediately after that, they go to Livingston, win 3 0, then 4 0 against St. Mirren, then a, a fantastic game, beat Aberdeen 4 uh, 2 up at uh, Pitodre, Jermaine Defoe getting a late clincher, a wild, wild game. But then 0 0 against St. Johnson. Now, St. Johnson play a 5 5 0 formation that day. They absolutely do, but nil nil. 
and two more points dropped. Then beat Hamilton 5-0, excellent performance. Then beat Dundee 4-0, excellent performance. But then two league draws and a real dip. Um, draw away 1-1 to Hibs, should have won, missed too many chances. Uh, 1-1 at home to Kilmarnock, again, another stuffy. But in the middle of this comes the cup defeats. Now we draw at Kilmarnock, poor performance, lucky really, miss a penalty, but lucky to, to get through it. But then hammer them at Ibrox, they go down to 10 men early. Um, Steve Clark famously uh, cries after it. And then Aberdeen, so not an easy draw, probably the most difficult draw we can get, in all honesty, uh, Kilmarnock then Aberdeen. But again, not a great performance away. We draw one each. Um, take them back to Ibrox, get the job done. My God, we don't. We are awful that night. Glenn Kamara makes a mistake early, they go one up and then Rangers just cannot penetrate them and it ends up finishing uh, 2-0 to Aberdeen and there was just a gloom a real gloom. We then have to go to to um, Parkhead and this will be the last hurrah really. If we don't win this game then we're done and again there's good things and and amongst the bad things we do lose the game 2-1 but we go down to 10 men really early Alfredo Morelos falls for some Scott Brown shenanigans and before we get to the rest of the game Stevie I remember thinking and I'll be honest I'll hold my hand up here I'm done with him the manager afterwards seemed to say I'm done with him there was just such a sense now Alfie will you know he's so popular with our fans that there'll always be some who'll defend him come hell or high water and generally speaking you know 99% of the time I would as well but that day I just felt you let us down you knew how important this was and you screwed it up there's two times that I've fallen out with Alfredo David in all honesty that was one of them the second was when he didn't come back for Tynecastle the not this season but last season we ended up getting put out that day those two occasions, this one famously at the end of March, I would have driven Alfredo to a new club after that. He, he was done for me. The annoying thing and what made it even worse for him was that after he got sent off and Brown had feigned injury and was standing at the sideline laughing at him as he went off, you know, we know that Alfredo's had the, the last laugh this season, but in terms of that, he'd fallen for it, hook, line and sinker. It destroyed any opportunity we had that day, although the team did battle back, you know, exceptionally well and, and ironically could have and probably should have won it that day as well. But Alfredo, yeah, a real low point, a real, real low point in his his, his Rangers career that day. And, and I, like you, I'm, I'm not going to lie about it. I, I was furious with him that day. And it was, it was the fact that he had fallen for it, David. And it's not like it's his first time. It was just like, you can't teach this guy yeah. When's he ever going to he learn? He never learns. Yeah, yeah. He's he's never going to learn, and we can we can defend him and defend him all we want, but he's he's never going to learn. And the thing was as well, that was on the back of an incident that he'd had with Kurt Broadfoot, and um, Broadfoot was going on about Alfredo, and I think there was some stuff in the paper, and I defended Alfredo. And I ended up getting in, into a, a kind of argument with Lee McCulloch online about it. And I was like, no, you know, Alfredo, blah, blah, blah. And then a couple of days later, he does this. So it was, it was, it was disastrous. And and that, as you rightly pointed out, that was a, the last hurrah in terms of, you know, getting anything from that season, definitely. And you mentioned there, though, something, Rangers are terrific. The whole stadium is, you know, laughing and joking, thinking, ah, we're going to gub them. 
And Rangers are just brilliant. They just, no, we're not, this is not happening. In the second half, Ryan Kent is sparkling. He gets the equaliser. Ryan Jack misses a really good chance at one each. Comeback, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, and he just couldn't get enough on it. And then Tav makes a mistake, uh, Celtic score. But coming out of the game, now that's it, the league's gone, we know that. But you were, there's some, there is something in this team. There is something there because they could have been allowed themselves to be, you know, bitch slapped, and we'd seen that before, but they didn't, and in the end, up they were a wee bit unlucky not to at least get a point. Yeah, um, there was actually early in the first half. We should in that in that half we should have had a penalty. We didn't get it. Ryan Kent was wiped out. I don't know if you remember that one. It was over the over the Rangers side. He gets to the ball first and is wiped out. We don't get the penalty. Then he does equalise. And he, at that point, as you said, having arrived in the last game, has really upped his performance. Now, they're, they're terrified of him. Boyata is getting left in a heap. He's left in a heap again, gets to the cutback, and Ryan Jack, it falls to his left foot and he can't keep it down. That was the moment, I think, there that we had a real opportunity. That game as well is soured. And they go on about, you know, they, they, they go on about Rangers over celebrating and, and things like that. If you remember their behaviour at the end of the game, Scott Brown celebrates in front of us and really distasteful kind of way of celebrating. But that that gets that doesn't get highlighted, David. You know, it's always Rangers that are the bad ones and everything else. But if you remember their behaviour at the end of that one, that was particularly difficult, shall we say. But no, nah, not a good day for us. Um, Ryan Kent famously slaps Scott Brown about a wee bit. Halliday goes off at the end of the game as well after the game for his reaction to Brown celebrating. But then we kick on again. As you say, this team's got a way of, of kind of rallying. And we do, we finish the season really strongly. Six six wins on the bounce before the final day. So that gave us the kind of euphoria. Not euphoria how we wanted it, but Euphoria is maybe a wrong word. Hope. That gave us the, the hope that this team do have something. We are on the right track and there's more to come. And then Alfredo suspended. Jermaine Defoe comes in. Scott Arfield actually plays uh, up front on the right side. And Rangers got a really good run of games. doesn't really matter. And that is a criticism that's levelled at the side. But we do play well uh, and win all the games up until uh, a very disappointing last day defeat at Kilmarnock and bye-bye Rangers, etc. But uh, there is an old phrase I like that he who laughs last, laughs longest. Um, yeah. So two years later, where are you now? Where are we now? Uh, I think tells you that. But we're at the end of the season. It's been a roller coaster, as life at Rangers always is. Now, I think that the vast, overwhelming majority of fans were happy to go on with Steven Gerrard. I think there was a real belief he needed a trophy the following season, um, but we'd seen enough to suggest that there was a, a good manager in there and he was learning his trade. Mistakes had been made, we've identified some of them here, but that the side needed more creativity, undoubtedly, needed to be a wee bit more flexible at times during matches, undoubtedly. Um, but he, he'd learned Scottish football. He'd learned you know, how hated Rangers are. And I, I do think this is important that he you, you've got to get that if you want to be successful here. Otherwise, you're going to be constantly surprised at how hard teams play against us, about decisions that go against you, about stuff that's written in the press. If you don't grasp that 
because Rangers are the biggest show in town, everybody wants to do is down, then I don't think you can be successful at Rangers. And I think in this season, at times painfully, but I think he did learn that lesson. Yeah, I think in terms of grounding and in terms of an education for Steven Gerrard, he had it all in the first year. He had the, the ups of, you know, the good, the big results against Celtic. Obviously, he had the downs of the, the horrible performances against Livingston. He had, had undoubtedly the, the red cards in terms of 12 over the course of the season, of which I think, David, on, on memory, at least three or four were recovered and, and, and rescinded. I think so. So... He had everything, but as you said, he he's definitely grown during that period as well as as a manager. He's he's learned from his early decisions tactically. He's, he's learned from his early press conferences. But at the end of that season, David, although we've won nothing, we've, we've ended up we've got seventy eight points. We've um, drawn nine, lost six. Now the draws were were the issue, and if we'd even turned four or five of them into wins, we would have been a lot closer. We finished nine behind, obviously. Um, top scorer-wise, Morelos had 30. The next on the list was Tav with 17, and then Arfield with 12. So that shows you, you know, and then you go right down to, to rank Kent with, with six. Mm -hmm. So that shows you how kind of lopsided we were in terms of goals if you took Alfredo out of it. But European-wise, it was it was definitely... European-wise, he was a, a 9 out of 10. And I give that such a high rate. And I know we only got to the group stages. But in terms of where we had come from to get through that Europa Europa League, we didn't actually lose a game until we went away to Spartak in, I think, game four. After um, drawing with Villarreal and then beating Vienna at home, then we drew with Spartak at home. Then we went away to them and lost, I think, 4-3. And at one point, we were 3-2 up and scored a perfectly legitimate goal and then did a, a very Rangers thing after that got disallowed. We, we conceded two in a minute somehow. I remember Karen, my wife, she went out of the room because um, the young fella, I think the young fella needed his bottle or something and came back in like 90 seconds later and we were 4-3 down. Yeah, it was wild. Yeah, that, that was obviously my fault, um, may I add. So that made for <laughs> an uncomfortable night in the house. Well, I'm glad you admitted happened. it. <laughs> um, so there was but that was the only occasion where we'd really conceded four so there was a lot and in terms of a first season I know that it's very un-Rangers like because we're built on success and things like that but overall Steven Gerrard had, had probably delivered an 8 out of 10 year in terms of the progress we had made from where we were now I know that's quite defeatist and people will say we didn't do anything we didn't win anything we weren't close in the league but in terms of the, stri the strides we had made and the the major the highs in terms of Europe beating Celtic twice, going close to them away from home, there was no fear factor anymore. We could be entitled to think that with a strong summer we could kick on again. And I did think that, um, and we'll talk about that next week. I, I'm going to go. I agree with you. Nine out of ten Europe. I think six out of ten for me domestically. Um, I just think that too many of the same problems came up. But again, I was probably guilty of doing that thing as a fan of just saying, well, learn the lesson and it should be fixed, you know, the next week. And I don't think it works like that. I think it, it's gradual. And they did learn the lessons, clearly, uh, over the, the period. But I was so frustrated. So I, I'm going to round it out to seven out of ten season. But we'd be interested to hear what the, the listeners think. Stephen, 
we will be back next week in which we will look at uh, season 2019-2020, a curtailed season, obviously. Um, again, there are some very high points and there are some very, very low points. And I would argue that next week we will come to the lowest point, the nearest that it could have gone totally off the rails in Stephen Gerrard's tenure. And the moment that as we're all sitting looking at 55 and glowing, uh, basking in the glow of that, that we look back and say, that moment there, it, that's the one where it could have all he could have gone, it could have all been something different. Uh, so that, uh, are you prepared to relive that Hearts Hamilton week? Yeah, and the funny thing about it is, um, as as we look back on on how we covered it at the time and things like that, it's going to be it'll be interesting. But it is amazing if you think about how close you know. Oh. There was a point. There was a point after that Hearts game on the Sunday night. We all thought he was gone. I thought so. so yeah, I, I was yeah. panicking. I, I really yeah. did believe because I still believe as, as people as we'll come to next week. Um, I'll take this as a trailer for next week, folks. Um, I believed that maybe a bit too much, and it was a criticism that was put to me that you know you you just want me staying. You're working from that. You know you're starting at that point, working back and looking for evidence. To which I would counter, well, you want him to go, so you're starting from that point and working back. Um, but the problem was that for both camps there was evidence. Yeah, and I remember um, you being very steadfast and supportive of Stephen Gerrard. And I was also, if you, if you look back, there was somebody went and, you, you love it when they do this, but they went and brought up a blog that I'd done after the Hamilton game. And it was basically, it was, if you remember, James Tavernier had been credited with his piece in the in the um, programme and things. We don't want to go too much into it, but... I was relieved that I had written that we should stick with Steven Gerrard and that I was still convinced that he was the one to turn it around, even if I would have at that point quite happily sanctioned three quarters of the team being shipped as far away as possible. <laughs> so we'll cover that next week, um, definitely. But as you as you said, very similar to this one, some massive highs, um, some very, you know, very big lows, but all vital to where we are now. Absolutely. So I hope you enjoyed this show, folks. Uh, in terms of any comments, please leave them uh, with us or get in touch. Uh, Stevie is at Four Lads Had a Dream. I'm at Ibrox Rocks. You can get in touch with us there. We are going to do a Q&A show, though, at the end of the series. So if you want to just hold for that, we'll do a Q&A and you'll, you'll, we'll be able to discuss it together and uh, chuck that in. So you know, keep, keep listening. That will come uh, in episode six, I believe. Stevie, an absolute pleasure as always, my friend. Yeah, it was nice to relive some of the highs and the lows, David. It's always easier to do it from a, a position it of really strength, is. <laughs> isn't it? Because, you know, there, there was some real lows, but we're, we're now sitting here as champions and we can say, you know, rather rather smugly that everything happened for a reason and it all happened to build to where we are now. And we should enjoy this moment when you look back at what we've been through and the ups and the downs and the, and the emotional turmoil that we all went through. So live it up, folks. Enjoy it. I hope you enjoy the episode and we'll be back, David. Thanks for listening, folks. Talk to you again next week. Till then, take care. Bye-bye. All right. All right. All right.
that was a Heart and Hand production. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.